Hi, and welcome to another episode of Connecting the Dots, the podcast where we explore the connection between art and artistry, creativity, motherhood, and general day-to-day life, because these things are so interwoven both in our sense of self, our natural creativity as human beings, and also in the way we can approach our life and our connection with our families and friends, as well as our work. So it's really lovely to have you here today for the third week of Poetry Month, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, it's so good to be here with you again today. And as I said in the intro, today is the third week of Poetry It's been a wonderful journey, for me at least, I hope you've enjoyed it, to explore some poems and see how they connect and relate to our humanity, our mothers, summer, and how we feel about life expressed through some very eloquent and slightly heightened poetic language. So today I have a nice selection for you of a mixture of poems on the theme of this complicated and wondrous life. Exploring relationships and how we feel about ourselves and the sense of self and other people. And so I hope you'll really enjoy today's selections. You, reader, as I imagine you. By Chase Twitchell. Why is it awkward to acknowledge each other's presence here? Who says we can't meet in public, can't stop and sit together on a bench and watch the dogs go by? As a child, I looked for you in books and sometimes sensed you reading what I was reading. Even as a child, I knew you would. Won't you celebrate with me? By Lucille Clifton. Won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life? I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-white and woman, what did I see to be except myself? I made it up, here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand. Come, celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. This next poem is a bit of a favourite of mine. It's one that I've been working on and performing on, on and off, since um, back in my second year of drama school. And it's A Daughter's Difficulties as a Wife by Anne Stevenson, who, if you haven't checked out her work, she's done a wonderful book called Correspondences, which is a series of letters um, from various people within a family and a family process over a period of time. And there's some fantastic poems in there, so do check it out. I hope you enjoy this one. A Daughter's Difficulties as a Wife, Mrs Reuben Chandler to her mother in New Orleans. By Anne Stevenson. Now that I've been married for almost four weeks, Mama, I'd better drop you and Papa dear a line. I guess I'm fine. Ruby has promised to take me to the Lexington buggy races Tuesday if the weather cools. So far, we've not been out much. Just stayed here, stifling in hot Cincinnati. Clothes almost melt me, Mama, so I've not got out my lovely red velvet and silk pelisse yet, or that sweet little hempskin coat with a fur hood. The sheets look elegant. I adore the pink monogram on the turnover with exactly the same pattern on the pillowcases. Darling! (laughs) How I wish you could breeze in and admire them. And the table linen. And the bone china, 
and the grand silver candlesticks, and especially those long-stemmed Venetian wine glasses with the silver rims. Ma, didn't your little daughter play the queen the other day, serving dinner to a whole bevy of bachelors? To tell the truth, Mama, Reuben was a silly to ask them. Just imagine me, tiny wee me, hostess to fourteen dragons and famished monsters, doing battle with fuming pipes and flying plugs. <laughs> Poor Rube. He doesn't chew and hardly ever smokes. He must have felt out of place. I was frantic, naturally, for fear of wine stains and tobacco juice on the tablecloth. So I set Agatha to dart in and dab with a towel and told Sue in the kitchen to brew up some coffee quick before they began speech-making. <laughs> but it was no use. They would put me up on a chair after the ices, and one of them, Big Tom they call him, runs a sizable dry goods business here. Well, this Tom pulled off my shoe, <laughs> tried to drink wine out of it while I was dying of laughter, and Tom was laughing too when suddenly I slipped and fell on the Flemish decanter. It broke. Such a terrible pity. And so funny at the same time. <laughs> I must admit, the boys were bricks, carrying the tablecloth out to the kitchen, holding it out while I poured hot water from a hot, just as you always said to. Everything would have been all right. The party could have gone on. Then Reuben had to nose in and spoil things, sending me to bed. So the boys went off, kind of sheepish. Later, Reuben said I had disgraced us, and where was I brought up anyway to behave like a barmaid? But it wasn't my fault, Mama. They were his friends. He invited them. I like to give men a good time. I'm writing this in bed because my head thumps and drums every time I move, and I'm so dog-tired. The only time I sleep is in the morning when Reuben has left for the office. Which brings up a delicate subject, Mama. I've been thinking and thinking, wondering whether I'll ever succeed in being the tender, devoted little wife you wanted me to be. Because, oh, Mama, why didn't you tell me or warn me before I was married that a wife is expected to do it every night? But how could we have guessed? Ruby came courting so cool and fine and polite, while beneath that gentlemanly, educated exterior. Well, I don't like to worry you, Mama. You know what men are like. I remember you once said the dears couldn't help it. I try to be brave. But if you did have a chance to speak to Papa, mightn't you ask him to slip a word, sort of man-to-man to, -man to Reuben, about how delicate I am 
And how sick I am every month. Not one of those cows who can be used and used. Someone's at the door. <laughs> I forgot. I asked Fanny Daniels to come up this morning to help fix a trim for my hat. I'll have to hustle. Give all my love to dear Spooky and Cookie. How I miss them, the doggy darlings. Oceans of hugs and kisses for you, too, and for precious Papa. From your suffering and loving daughter, Marianne. And because thankfully not all marriages are so troublesome and difficult to get going, here is another one from R.S. Thomas. A Marriage by R.S. Thomas. We met under a shower of bird notes. Fifty years passed, love's moment in a world in servitude to time. She was young. I kissed with my eyes closed and opened them on her wrinkles. Come, said Death, choosing her as his partner for the last dance. And she, who in life had done everything with a bird's grace, opened her bill now for the shedding of one sigh no heavier than a feather. Silence by Marianne Moore My father used to say, Superior people never make long visits, have to be shown Longfellow's grave or the glass flowers at Harvard. Self-reliant like the cat that takes its prey to privacy, the mouse's limp tail hanging like a shoelace from its mouth, they sometimes enjoy solitude and can be robbed of speech by speech which has delighted them. The deepest feeling always shows itself in silence. Not in silence, but restraint. Nor was he insincere in saying... Make my house your inn. Inns are not residences. Epitaph on the Monument of Sir William Dyer at Colmworth, 1641, by Lady Catherine Dyer. My dearest dust, could not thy hasty day afford thy drowsy patience leave to stay one hour longer, so that we might either sit up or gone to bed together? But since thy finished labour hath possessed thy weary limbs with early rest, enjoy it sweetly, and thy widow bride shall soon repose her by thy slumbering side. Whose business, now, is only to prepare my nightly dress and call to prayer, mine eyes wax heavy and the day grows cold. Draw, draw the closed curtains, and make room, my dear, my dearest dust, I come, I come. A Refusal to Mourn by Derek Mann He lived in a small farmhouse at the edge of a new estate. The trim gardens crept to his door and car engines woke him before dawn on dark winter mornings. All day there was silence in the bright house. The clock ticked on the kitchen shelf, cinders moved in the grate, and a warm briar gurgled when the old man talked to himself, but the doorbell seldom rang after the milkman went, 
And if a shirt hanger knocked in an open wardrobe, that was a strange event to be pondered on for hours while the wind thrashed about in the back garden, raking the roof of the hen house and swept clouds and gulls eastward over the luff with its flap of tiny sails. Once a week, he would visit an old shipyard crony, inching down the road in the blue country bus to sit and watch sun-dappled branches whacking the windows, while the long evening shed weak light in his empty house on the photographs of his dead wife and their six children, and the missions to seem an angel in flight above the bed. "'I am not long for this world,' said he on our last evening. "'I'll not last the winter,' and grinned, straining to hear whatever reply I made, and died the following year. In time, the astringent rain of those parts will clean the words from his gravestone in the crowded cemetery that overlooks the sea, and his name be marred once again. And his boilers lie like tombs in the mud of the seabed till the next ice age comes and the earth he inherited is gone like Neanderthal man and no records remain. But the secret bread in the bone on the dawn strand survives in other times and lives, persisting for the unborn like a claw-printing concrete after the bird has flown. And now to leave you on a note of hope in Amongst the Longing. Longing by Cassie Hubert The longing doesn't leave as you age. As life's legs stretch out, spread thinner over time, your heart does not grow weaker, though your waist grow wider. Opportunity's knocks may seem meeker on the door of your days, yet the hunger doesn't cease. Maybe you are better able to silence the grumbles of a raging appetite. Perhaps you can pass the food to younger mouths who can't yet know that fasting is not death, but the pangs remain as keen. Keen as your desire to create, to illuminate and illustrate all you've felt and seen. Perhaps your dreams, only whispered close into the one attentive ear that never tires of you, are still being drawn in colour, bold and clear and vital, The insightful edge you've sharpened during the darkened watches of sleepless nights is anything but dull. Your hunger pangs, rhythmic and fierce, lull you to sleep and you weep for the wasted hours, dreams whose latent buds still promise hope of flowers only you can see. But, beloved, hold on. Your dreams, though hidden, are gathering strength. Your voice was made to sing. Trust your song. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been lovely to spend this time with you looking at poems about life and relationships and all the things. If you would like to connect with me further, then do head on over to the links in the show notes and check out my link tree, which has all the links so you can find me. Join my email list where you get updates on what's going on and new ventures and new projects. I've got some really exciting things coming up over the next month. And if you would like to connect with me on social media, then go ahead. I really hope that you have been enjoying this poetry month. And from September, we'll be reverting back to the normal chat about life and creativity and motherhood and all the connections we have. But in the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless.